Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with my very special friend and author, Link. Welcome. Hello, everybody, and thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate this opportunity. Now, you're one of our wonderful authors at Dove and Dragon, and you just got your pre-release of your book just a few days ago. Right, right. So what is the book about for our listeners? So um, the book is based on my events uh, working as an undercover officer. However, it's in fiction form, and it tells a very eventful story of how a city detective is trying to overcome the corruption within the city but still be a protector of his community uh, neighbors and leaders. Right. Now, this takes place in, the book takes place in Cleveland, Ohio. The cover yes. is awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a little impartial to my cover. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a beautiful cover. It is. It, I, I, it, you know, and the, it, the good thing about that, that I like about the cover it's um, the building that oversees the bridge. That's mm-hmm. actually where uh, the Secret Service Organized Crime Task Force was housed out of. And uh, that was one of the uh, organizations that I was uh, attached to. Hmm. And how did I know that would work with that cover? <laughs> I know too much about Cleveland to have... <laughs> not incorporate that somehow into the storyline. But even yeah. though it's not in the story, but it needed to be put in yeah. the book. <laughs> so we have this wonderful book out. Are we planning a sequel? Uh, actually, I, I'm already working on a sequel as we talk today. Um, I'm deeply in Chapter 2 of it. So, yes, cool. there's going to be a sequel. And Awesome. See, the best thing about this whole pandemic, we have a little bit more time to write a little bit. I mean, not so much to you because I believe you're an essential worker. We can't yes, get I am. too much into that. But the rest of the authors within the house actually have time to write stuff. Right, right. So, But we do appreciate our essential workers right now. So, Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I look at it as a, a band of a hand. I mean, mm-hmm. even though you have the thumb, the thumb is is just as equivalent as the rest of the fingers on the hand. And um, to grasp everything that you need, you need everybody working together. Correct. And that's a big thing with our society right now. It's great to see so many people working together right now. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so we have this wonderful book. Now... I can't get into too much detail without giving away the storyline. Right. Hmm. We have a sequel. So what's your favorite character in the book? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like you, uh, partial to uh, Jordan is, is, is my is my favorite character. Okay. And uh, and I, I I chose him because He's like that sum. When I was talking about the bend of a hand, he's like mm-hmm. that sum that everybody's um, around, 
And he's, even though he don't think he's that, that leader, mm-hmm. he is directing integral parts and in people of the investigation. Yeah, th- those are the unsung heroes in our books, is the ones that are working behind the scenes to pull everything together. Right, right. It might not be the main character, but without these smaller characters that are in the background actually pulling the strings, you wouldn't yes. have a storyline. And that is true. That is true. So is George going to make an appearance in book two? Definitely. 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 Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I know you don't have a lot of downtime, but what kind of books do you normally read? Actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom Clancy. We're a real big fan of him. Um, the, the books in the writing style that he uses, it catches my attention. However, I am also that kind of person who likes to read um, other books of smaller authors because it's also those smaller authors who have great storylines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the um, books I did read, it was, I would say, five, six years ago, it's called The Carter, The, uh, the Cartel, or okay. Carter. And, and basically, it was based on a young man who grew up without his father and wound up getting to the drug game. But consequently wound up meeting his stepmother after he found out his father had passed and his stepmom was also the drug lord of the of the Miami drug team. Wow. So so they wind up building this big drug enterprise. And it's a pretty good book because unlike his father he had ambitions of being someone and not being a drug gang forever. But due to his father's connections, he had people out to kill him. Right. Sometimes we have our, especially in our books and movies, the father's connections often lead to the children, even if the children aren't involved directly in the father's business. Exactly. Exactly. It makes it for wonderful storyline, and you always are they involved or aren't they involved? Because you have people after them, but common sense would go, no, they wouldn't be after them if there's no reason. But at the same time, you go, well, kind of makes sense. <laughs> right, right, right. And and like I say, uh, as you as you know a lot about Cleveland. I mean, growing up in a city of Cleveland, it was. It, it, it was very interesting because mm-hmm. um, during my timeline, you had areas that drew their own conclusion about other people. However, mm-hmm. when you cross those different zones, that's when sometimes you was also challenged with adversity. Exactly. And to, and to overcome that adversity is, is one of the things that a, a lot of Clevelanders have done, but there's still others who need that help to be pulled up. Right. We... I grew up about 45 minutes from Cleveland, so I know the Cleveland area very well. Right. And even within the city I grew up in, we had three sections. In all three sections, if you're not from that section, they look down on you. 
doesn't matter what side that you're on. Mm-hmm. It's they look down on you because you're on the wrong side of the city. Yes, and and that is true, and uh, it, it kind of builds a thick skin on you if you don't have one already because to deal with certain people, you have to know the background of that person. Mm-hmm. And, and and history is so important nowadays, and I, and I know a lot of of our today's youth are not so inclined of their history, no matter what culture they come from. Correct. It's like it's like they building a new history, and it's nothing wrong with building a new history, but you have to know your roots as well as the other person's root if you're going to cohabitate with them. Mm-hmm. It is. And, we, it's a lot of things that are in history are not taught. Therefore, the today's youth don't know, so they're inventing history based right. on what they think happened. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's and I, you know, as I got older and, and read different books, mm-hmm. and it's funny, um, I, I read a book written by Colonel, well, now he was given the uh, honor of General Colonel Charles Young. Um, back in the 18, well, early 1900s, he was really a, uh, a person who grew up in Kentucky, Ripley, um, in, in Kentucky, and he moved to Ripley, Ohio. And while living in Ripley, Ohio, he scored off the charts in all of academics where he can be and wound up um, up applying to West Point. And at that time, there were not a lot of African Americans even in West Point. But due to his his ambitions to persevere and his, his knowledge, he wound up getting to West Point and becoming one of a well-known leader to where just recently in 2011, I mean, 2020, I mean, 2020, uh, February 11th, he was honored by his home state, Kentucky, as a honorary general uh, brigade. And this guy passed away in 1922, and it took this long for him to be honored for all the accomplishments he did way back then. It's sad that we have to wait almost 100 years for some of these people that are major political, major military figures to be honored correctly or for their story to finally come to light so they can be recognized. Yes, yes. And and being that... um, like I said, being from the clean air, I wanted to tie in everything, the areas mm-hmm. I lived in, the areas I worked in, um, just tie it all in to show different communities because a lot of people don't realize how complex Ohio is. When they look at it's Ohio, they think, oh, it's a mid Midwest state, which mm-hmm. is untrue. Um, the state is actually broke up into three regions. And for those who don't know the history, the west part of the state is only the essential part is to be called Midwest. As you look at the southern part of the state down by Columbus, Cincinnati, before you go to, over the Howard River, mm-hmm. that's actually the south because mm-hmm. the Macy-Dix line runs right through downtown Cincinnati. So right. technically that's considered a, um, a southern state. But when you go up north, newer, uh, by the northeast of the, of the state, Cleveland, Akron, 
all that area, you look at more of the East Coast. I mean, just a three-hour drive from downtown Cleveland to downtown Buffalo is only three hours, and we're talking about Buffalo, New York. So right. that's it's, how close Cleveland is. That's, that's why Cleveland is more considered the East Coast than more mm-hmm. than a Midwest city that everybody thinks it is. And right. it's a lot of I, history. Yeah. Right. There's so much history in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've lived in the Cleveland area. I've lived in the Columbus area. I've traveled right. to the western side of Ohio. Being right. in all those sections of Ohio, even how people treat you, recognize or resonate with different sections of the country. It doesn't, it, it's so weird. If you just yes. go three hours anyway, you right. have a different aspect from how people treat treat you. Yeah, even the even the dialect is different. I mean, living in one state, you think everybody has the same dialect. Northerners, uh, northern Ohio's speak different from southern. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the dialect in Dayton, Cincinnati, Columbus area is is a true southern dialect. As you go up north, you hear that East Coast dialect. If you go on the west part of the state, you hear the dialect from that area. It's, it's very complex, as, as you said. You, different people look at you different ways. And it's and then you put a city like Cleveland just as a whole. There's three sections to Cleveland that I'm aware of. Like you have West Cleveland, East Cleveland. Right. And then you have right in the middle where they meet. Now you go any which way, and you're going to be – completely different type of city, but it's still Cleveland. Exactly. That, that is so true. That is so true. Um, just like you said, the, the east part of Cleveland is totally different how, than how the west part of Cleveland interacts. And then, like mm-hmm. you said, you, you start hitting the, the, the little south side of Cleveland. It's, it's different from there. Um, the history within that city itself, man, it's, it's a lot. A lot, like I say, the, the police department. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people may, may not know. Elliot Ness, former Secret Service agent, was one of the original chiefs of Cleveland Police Department. When he, when he left Secret Service, he went and became the chief of police of Cleveland Police Department, and that brought a lot of uniqueness to Cleveland itself. Uh, a lot of laws were created because of Cleveland Police Department. The Terry Patdown Law, that was created. Uh, and a lot of people may not know that. Mm-hmm. Now, there is one little museum I love in Cleveland. A lot of people don't know it's there. It's under a statue. I don't know if it's the police museum or the mob museum, whatever they call it, but it has all the history of the police and the mob, mafia ties and stuff like that from the 1920s. Exactly. And... Here's a key point to to that. Um, Cleveland is where all the big-time mob bosses live, Cleveland and the Youngstown area. Back in back in the 20s, Youngstown was considered a sub a, a, a essential suburb of Cleveland where all the known uh, mob bosses lived at, and then the other uh, bosses lived in the inner city. Um, Danny Green, an Irish mob boss who came in, and was notorious. He ran havoc in Cleveland. He had a lot of the Italian um, mob bosses scared of him. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And he ran the northwest side of Cleveland, um, over by the Collingwood area. And it's, he was a big guy on the radar that uh, a lot of people were was scared of. Yeah, like, we always hear about New York with the crime bosses in the 20s. We always hear about Chicago. But the truth is a lot of them were ran out of Cleveland. Yeah. The, a lot of the big mob, um, how you say, organized crime mm-hmm. syndicates were ran out of Cleveland. Cleveland was the home base for all that. Chicago, New York, even those small towns like New York, New Jersey, things of that um, origin all mm-hmm. came out of Cleveland. Right. It, it wasn't just they had the mobs in the Chicago area, but their right. bosses lived in Cleveland. They were getting orders from Cleveland, Ohio. So we're exactly. putting putting all of this into your fictional book as much as possible. But it yes. all ties in. And it's like you have to understand the history because the history will tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Exactly, exactly, and that's I like say that's the big thing where a, a lot of our youth have gotten away from history, and it's sometimes challenging for them to understand the way life, it's the way life it is, where it is, how it or um, it's running through, mm-hmm. and it takes our older generation to still educate our youth. Because it's, like I said um, a while back, it takes a village to raise one child. Mm-hmm. One child. And now that these villages are no longer in existence, we have a lot of children growing up to be adults who are confused and lost. Very true. I am so thankful that I was able, when my daughter was younger, to homeschool her. Uh-huh. Because there's a lot of history, not just uh, Ohio history, but American history as a whole, that right. is not taught in schools. Exactly. So one thing I did, starting with the revolution, was, okay, we know the American history as told from an American point of view. Well, there's four other points of view. And my daughter was like, how can you have four points of view when there's only two sides of the war? I'm like, no, there's four. You have right. the British side, you have right. the settler side, and then right. you have the, Ma- the Native American side from both sides, those that sided with the British and those that mm-hmm. sided with the settlers. Exactly. There you go. You have four points of view. And a, a lot of people don't realize that when, the, when Great Britain entered, because one of the battles were fought in Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. one of the, um, the Britain Wars, um, they brought along the Protestant religion, mm-hmm. which is a big factor in today's culture. Um, the product is called the, the Western-dominant um, civilian life and how, it, how does it originate with other citizens of the Western world. And that the Protestant religion was a strong religion that came over from Great Britain, even back in the 5th century with Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Her her view of of Protestant religion was so strong that her sister had her jailed in the tower because she wanted the cathedral side of religion to be in Great Britain. So for a 
for a short moment of time, she took over the reins and had her sister in prison. But Queen Elizabeth once again got out of custody and brought the reins of Protestant religion back up, which came over to the Western world, which is now the United States. Mm-hmm. See, there's a whole lot of intricate details within our history that if you just look at it as a straight line, you lose 50% of your history. Right. You have and, to and look at each 10 years, 10 years periods, because right. if you don't look at it as a 10-year period, you're just looking at a straight line. Well, there's a lot that happens in 10 years. It is. Even with five years, a lot happens, but mm-hmm. definitely in 10 years. Yes. Well, I go with 10 because I like round numbers, but, you know, <laughs> it's funny because you look at it, and we're, look, we're in 2020 right now. You go back to 2010. What happened between 2010 and 2020 just in history? What wow. major yeah. events, you know, changed mm-hmm. the last 10 years? Go back 10 right. years before that, 2000 to 2010. Right. Major events happened in there to change yeah. how our country operates. Not just our country, but the world. Right. But we're not teaching all that. We're teaching little snippets. Correct. And, you know, you say between 2010 and 2020, um, a lot of of people from other parts of the world um, is not inclined to 1 October. 1 October is where we had the massacre in Las Vegas where a gunman stood from a hotel casino and gunned down almost 100 people mm-hmm. from a hotel casino. These were normal people who were vacationing in Vegas or living in Las Vegas, walking the strip, enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. enjoying a community um, concert, and this guy decides to take a fifty caliber um, weapon and just randomly shoot people on the walkway. It, it made right. the national news, but, again, it falls in the background to other people of other regions because they're not in Las Vegas and to remember every 1st October of that horrific situation, which right. is pretty much, pretty much equivalent to the 9-11 situation. If you weren't there, if you weren't, right. didn't have family there, if you didn't li- live through it, watching it on the news, Right. Every day. You don't mm-hmm. remember it the same way. Right. Now, what people don't realize, the same time of having the U.S. 9-11, there was another attack, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it happened in France at the same time in the same moment. Right, the bombing. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. all at the same time on the same day. But we don't hear about the other, we just hear about the American side. Correct. And and like I said, when you had these big events from um, terrorist individuals, it's always a plan. They don't just hit one area. They hit several areas due to the fact it's called um, a way of taking away the attention off the main tar- target. Mm-hmm. So by having all these going on, 
who's to know that those that died in France wasn't more significant to those who died in 9-11. Right. Because there are reasons for these events to take place. Like, um, I can't remember exactly what date, when the plane went down over in Bermuda, and it's like, oh, that plane just went down like that. And then I was talking to a couple of individuals, and I said, you always want to check who's on the manifest. Mm-hmm. And that can always say why a lot of times that plane went down because certain people are targeted while others are considered collateral damage in the event as it happened. Exactly. I am a conspiracy theorist. This is my whole thing when I get into my spare time. I love mm-hmm. running conspiracy theories because everything happens for a reason. Right. So I never look at something that is just a chance of something happening. No. Who was in there? Who was on that plane? I, I watch um, air disasters all the time. Right. They say why the plane went down, but at the same time, eh, Okay, I can play conspiracy theory with every single one of those episodes, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but there's always a reason. Oh, definitely. Distraction is the key. If you, for those who never ran Sun Tzu, the, uh, the Art of War, mm-hmm. he talks about in one of the chapters how distraction is the key component in taking down an entity. I mean, a lot of a lot of business people who who run five Fortune hundred companies, they use the model of Sensu in Art of War to run these big profile companies. Exactly. So, you don't show everyone what they're doing at one time. Exactly. I love the Art of War. It teaches you so much, and then you apply it to the business realm. You can uh, put it to your personal life, you can actually use it to look at things in the world differently. Correct. Correct. It, it, it almost reminded me of that time when I was a kid in Cleveland and I was riding the uh, the bus line, it's just the 19th, uh, and that bus line runs from the 131 area of Miles and 131st Street downtown. And I remember going to one of the Cleveland Browns football games so as I'm sitting on the bus, I see this one guy get on, and he had these three shells, cups, and a little platform, and then another guy gets on about three or four step stops down the road. So he's running this, this shell game. It's called Three Car Molly. Mm-hmm. And he's get, you know, gathering everybody around and saying, hey, guess, guess where the pebble is under the shell, under the eggshell. So he's running it, and it's causing distraction. He got this guy, this other guy sitting there, I don't believe this game is this, and I don't believe it's that. He's he's causing distraction because the actual person who's really watching the game is trying to figure out where the pebble is. But he has this other guy on the other side chirping in his ear, and it's causing an audio distraction that he can't really physically focus with his eyes where the pebble is. Mm-hmm. And in the event of him placing a $20 bill on the board to try to guess where it's at, he loses every time. Now, at that time, I'm looking at the whole game from afar because so a kid I'm sitting back. And after probably, i say, eight people participated in this game, the last stop before downtown, I see these two guys get off 
on the bus together. And I'm like, wow. Here was this guy causing distraction, never played. But at the end, they both get off the bus together, a stop before I'm about to get off, and they walk walk together to wherever he is going. So that goes back to even as something as simple as a three-mile-lane um, game that's played on the bus, people run distractions to focus, to uh, take away from the, their main point of view. Mm-hmm. We are, a lot of times, unless you sit back and watch all your plays, I love sitting in a busy area, like going to the mall when it's open and just watching right. people. Right. Because you see so much how they interact, and you can see a person's nature by how they interact with other people. Correct. And you sit back. You don't interact yourself. You're just a bystander, a watcher, but you watch Mm -hmm. everything. And you can learn so much more than just sitting there and doing, you know, going about your day. That's true. And that that was one of my key points as a law enforcement officer back in the day, is to sit back and watch. Um, it goes back to that story, uh, the two bulls sitting on top of a hill watching a herd of female cows below them. And the, the son bull was always saying, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, let's go chase one of those cows. Let's run down and chase the cow. And he kept telling him, no, just sit back and watch. And every five minutes, his son kept saying, Dad, let's run down there and chase one of them cows, the, the male bull. So finally, the, the father just looked at him and, and calmed his son's attention and said, look, let's walk down there and get the one we want. Mm-hmm. Instead of running down there and scaring the crowd to herd away, you walk down there and shadow a plain view and get the person you want. And that's a lot of things. That's a, that's how a lot of um, covert investigations go. It's, it's conducted in plain sight, but in a shadow technique. Yeah. And and, and a lot of your smart um, criminal enterprise personnel, they do it the same way. I mean, back in the day, you had rules. The police had rules. The criminals had rules. And now in today's world, they're, the rules are thrown out the door. That's why you have so much chaos. And, and senseless events that are, that are occurring right now. Right. The rules just went out the window within the last 15 years. Yeah. Like, like seriously, all the rules that used to apply to both. The criminals used to have their own code of conduct. I don't know where that one went to years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, um, then the police had their own code of conduct. Right and civilians that didn't play on either side had their, their own code of conduct. Now it all blends together and gets so muddy that you can't even tell who's the good guys and who's the bad guys sometimes. No. And it, it takes a chameleon to adapt to those three intricate parts to use those type of uh, origins to do what he or she would like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, you would never hear of a female running a large enterprise. But in today's world, a lot of them are running criminal enterprises. Yeah. A lot of them. 
And the, the books will show a, a small percentage of how those things are, are originated as well and in, in certain aspects, how things are, are will come about. I, I think a lot, especially those who, who are from Cleveland, they, they're going to be able to relate back to how this book originated and where the events occurred. It would be a good read for them as well. Very well. Well, we're almost out of time, and as much as I, we can sit and go over criminal enterprises all day because it's interesting, <laughs> where can our readers find you? Um, I have my uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm on Amazon, my bio and stuff as well. Uh, the book itself will be coming out June 16th uh, in Barnard Noble stores. You can pre-order it. Uh, ebook is now on Amazon, and uh, just uh, follow me on different tweets that you may see that may come up on social media. Yeah, we have to get your social media under your author link yeah. instead of your true name, which we won't disclose. Right. But. Um, we do need to get those social media sites up, so we will have author link as Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, so you can follow them there. Sure, sure. So I mean, being a, being old being old school myself, I I always stayed away from social media. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know social media is a necessary evil these days, unfortunately. Yeah. But I love having you on the show when we get close to the release or closer to having book two finished, we'll have you back on the show because I love having my authors on the hair. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And we'll talk to you later. All right. And uh, again, everyone, please adhere to the book. It's going to be a great read for everyone. So take the time, get the book, and and truly share to others who may not be aware of my book being uh, coming out. Of course, and also ebook is available through Dove and Dragon right now for beta readers yeah. or for reviewers. So bloggers, reviewers, betas, get a hold of me. And happy reading. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. You too.